Deep pattern downfield, touchdown Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's preview Thursday and the start of another week in the National Football League. We're going to preview the matchup between the Dolphins and the defending world champion Buccaneers. We'll go position by position, give you the tape study breakdown, the key stats and tendencies. I'll give you my three keys to the game, tell you how the Dolphins win, and the most in-depth preview show out there regarding your Miami Dolphins each and every week. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So the Buccaneers are up next. The defending world champions, a team that has just loaded up on name, talent, and a coaching staff that has found the mix to develop that team chemistry quickly enough to make them champions in year number one under a new quarterback and Tom Brady under center. And it took them some time last year to get things cranking. Remember, they were swept by the New Orleans Saints, including a 38-3 loss in Week 9, part of a streak where they dropped three out of four games heading into their Week 13 bye week, but then it all changed for that club. They picked up four straight wins to close it out at 11-5. Then it was three tight playoff games before one of the more dominant Super Bowl performances in recent memory to claim their second Lombardi trophy there in franchise history. And what was their story all off-season long? It was about how they brought literally, and not just saying like everyone, literally everyone back. They have stars at every position between Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Looks like Pittsburgh AB again. Gronk, Ryan Jensen, Tristan Wirfs, Ali Marpet, Alex Kappa, as well as Donovan Smith up front. Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Dominican Sue, Vita Vey, Devin White, Levante David, Antoine Winfield. Now, Gronk is banged up, and same at the cornerback position with Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy bunting, but every group has dudes on this football team, and Arians found his conduit offensively to the players in Byron Lefwich, and they've also got Todd Bowles on that defense, just a loaded roster and a loaded coaching staff who are going to be prepared for this Miami Dolphins team come Sunday, and why don't we start as we do every preview pod with the opposing quarterback, he's a good one, versus the Miami safeties, and so you know about Tom Brady. 20 years in the league at a very high level, seven Super Bowl championships, insanely polished pocket management and mobility. This guy prepares as well as anybody ever has. And the frustrating thing about Tom is that you can put together a good pass rush and it's not like the Kylers and the Lamars of the world, but he's going to find the one vacancy in that mess around him when there is pressure where he can get to his spot and get his mechanics right to drive the football And that's another thing. It's not just driving the football. He has the complement of a fastball, a touch pass. Anytime he has to alter his throw for the route and the coverage, he's got no problem doing it. So you can choose to play zone against this guy, but he's probably going to pick you apart. You play man, he's going to find the matchup he likes. It's up to you to win that matchup. And then if you lighten the box to help out in coverage, he'll just get to the right run check and find a way to beat you. Like, you know the drill. This guy is as tough as they come. And the only way teams have ever really had success against him in his entire career, and it's few and far between, is really collapsing those step-up lanes and consistently winning one-on-one pass rush matchups that push him off the spot while simultaneously 
filling the gaps that he wants to get to. And the safety matchup on Tom to me is more about Miami just trying to, to match up and win, to execute, because you can mix it up for sure. And I'm sure Flores and Boyer will mix it up plenty here. But if you think you're going to confuse him for 60 minutes, well, I've got a bridge for sale for you or something like that. And Flores said as much in his Wednesday media that if you think you can confuse Tom Brady for an entire 60 minutes, like you've got another thing coming. So that brings us to the safety matchups. We'll go ahead and just parlay that into our next segment here with the cornerbacks and receivers. But first, real quick, some numbers on Brady versus the Blitz. 28 for 39 this season with 8.6 yards per pass, three touchdowns and a pick. But also when he's not blitzed, 100 for 144, 7.9 yards per pass, seven touchdowns and two picks. So damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Well, to finish that point, when under pressure and the blitz numbers really indicate that they're getting pressure with four on this guy and really any quarterback, I mean, that's, that's how this league works. Seven in coverage with pressure is tough to beat, right? That's the way to go for Tom Brady. 19 for 40 when he's under pressure with 5.6 yards per pass, but the touchdown to interception ratio is still very good at three to zero. And just looking at his splits, There are two segments of the field where Tom is not currently killing it, and I'm not entirely sure what to make of that. Maybe you guys can help me out with what this means, but 20-plus yards outside right of the numbers, which that's the strong side for a right-handed quarterback, I think. He's 3-for-14, but with 103 yards on those three completions with a touchdown and a pick. And then the intermediate, the 10-19 to yard range to the left. So like almost the opposite throw, 3-of-9 for 61 yards, no touchdowns or picks. So are those levels you want to try to force him into, like the smash concept to the right side of the field or some, you know, some crossers to the left side of the field, whatever the case may be, do you want to force him into those areas? Are those just kind of fluky things? I'm not really sure what to make of that, but those are the numbers I found on Pro Football Focus. Now, down the middle, and this is confirmed by tape over the years, at any level down the middle, he's very good. Completing 57 for 76 uh, for 666 yards, interesting number there, uh, 8.76 yards per attempt. So I think that the middle of the field is an area that you have to pay attention to, and that's particularly where the safeties come into play, right? I'm glad we're just I'm just glad we're not playing this guy twice a year anymore. So on to the next position group. The receivers and tight ends versus the Miami DBs. Now Gronk has not been ruled out this week. He missed last week in Foxborough. And if he's in there, that makes a big difference for the Bucks offense, both in the run game and the passing game. Few are better blockers in the run game off the edge, and he's still an absolute threat in the passing game to boot. And you will likely need to win that matchup with one man a lot because of all the other weapons that they feature. Like to me, that's Eric Rowe's best ability. And we heard him talk about his frustration with the matchup on Mo Alley-Cox last Sunday on that touchdown in the Colts game. I would trust e for a bounce back here, and I think that's your best bet on Gronkowski. So if you want to double someone in this offense, who would that be? I'm not sure there is a good option for this Dolphins defense against, or any defense rather, against that Bucks offense. So now Byron Jones was out there at practice on Wednesday, and if he's not okay to go, then we'll have you know Xavier Howard, Nick Needham, uh, just, uh, Justin Coleman and Noah Igbenogany is some of your options about there. But I think you'd also consider some of your safety options and their ability to come down and match up as well. Like for instance, McCourty, Jones, and Holland have all played matchup football at one point or another in their careers in terms of matching up on receivers. And perhaps Holland is your post safety in some of those man-free looks where you press guys to the line, try to disrupt the timing of the quick game because 97 of 170 throws have come within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. So there's a chance for Miami to really prove their strength in that area to play that tight man coverage on the perimeter as well as inside on those receivers. Mike Evans, 12 targets last week. They're going to throw him the football. 
I think that Xavier Howard matches up well with him physically as far as the stature because Mike is so good in contested catches. If they want to go there, you know, Evans does average 3.2 yards of separation up from 2.8 last season. So it's not like he's not capable of separating, but he has such a reputation around the league for a contested catch fiend that he is because he's been top five in that category just about every single year of his career. And the reason I'm curious about a possible matchup with X is that I think the Dolphins are going to have to get takeaways in this game to come out victorious. And they will they will throw the ball to Mike Evans regardless. They, they pumped the ball to him 12 targets last week. They throw it to him all season long. And I want X to get some chances at making plays on the football. He has two off of Brady so far in his career in terms of interceptions. Good time here to get a third. What about Antonio Brown? And 11 targets last week. They know who they like to throw the football to. They don't shy away from it. Byron Jones, can he go? If he does, I like the way he matches up athletically with Antonio Brown, who is really one of the best route runners of all time. And I think we're seeing that kind of come back into the frame here uh, with Antonio Brown after the end of his Pittsburgh time and then the Oakland era and then the Patriots and then leaving there and coming back down to Tampa Bay. I think he's really put it all back together for himself. So if Byron can't go, though, is it Noah Igbenogany? Is it Elijah Campbell? Is it maybe Nick Needham? Maybe it's Xavier Howard. Options are there, but I would love to see Byron Jones get that matchup if he can go in this game. And then Chris Godwin. I think this might be a good spot for Nick Needham to rise to the challenge, who's had a good start to the season and a good start to his career so far. We talked about him matching up with some of the best slots in the league last year from Cooper Cup to Tyler Boyd to Jamison Crowder and how good of a job he did on those guys. Chris Godwin plays primarily in the slots. Maybe that's his matchup inside. And then Justin Coleman, maybe he plays inside in that nickel as well, especially if Byron's down. I would imagine that Nick Needham could get an elevated snap count and play perimeter. And then Coleman comes in a nickel situations perhaps and plays that nickel spot. But that's been his bread and butter inside. And I think he'll match up based upon who goes inside slash outside. Like last week, Chris Godwin was in the slot for 65% of the snaps. Then Cameron Bate was second at slot snaps played with 15% of his work coming inside. So they will run 12 personnel and utilize both Rob Gronkowski and OJ Howard in line. Both those guys play in line roughly like 75% of the time. So they're going to keep those guys in tight to the formation to help with the run and passing game with Bray as essentially a souped up slot receiver to operate from the same 11 and 12 personnel packages without having to make a substitution. That's something you look to get with your tight end position is that flexibility inside outside. We talked about with Hunter Long and what he can do as far as having that versatility when he develops here full-time, hopefully. I think you have that with Cameron Bray as well as those other Buccaneers tight ends. And in fact, to that point, 11 personnel, they run at 67% of the time and they have a 65% success rate on running plays. There's your tight end flexibility at work. Then when they go 12 personnel with two tight ends in the field, they have a 59% pass rate success-wise. So they find a good, they do a good job of getting out those personnel packages that draw a specific type of defense. And then they run counter to what that defense can defend at its best here in Tampa Bay. 13 personnel, 6% of the time, and 10 personnel, which is one tight end, no or uh, one back, no tight ends rather, and four receivers. They run that 4% of the time. So a nice mix, but primarily two-thirds of the time, 11 personnel. And that's this is the gold standard matchup for me in this game, those guys versus our guys. But one of the keys is going to be how Miami applies pressure to make that matchup really more difficult on those guys. And that's going to be a massive challenge against this Bucks team as we get into our next matchup here with the Buccaneers offensive line versus the Dolphins defensive line. And I listed those three names off the top. Actually, this is all five of them. I changed my script there on myself. But all five of the offensive linemen are damn good. Like pressures allowed and pass blocking snaps are these numbers right here. Like They've all played all 202 pass blocking snaps 
but pressures allowed. Donovan Smith, left tackle, 11. Ali Marpet, left guard, 8. Ryan Jensen, center, 7. Alex Kappa, the right guard, 7. And then Tristan Wirfs at right tackle has allowed just 5 pressures on 202 pass blocking snaps. That's one every 15 less than 50, 30. I don't know math, but it's not, it's good. It's very, very good. So they're tough, especially that second year right tackle who was named to pro football focuses, all pro first team, which coincides with plenty of pundits that I read and and talk to and, and, you know, talk football with all the time, believing he could have been a first team AP all pro last season. He was that good as a rookie. Now, nobody has surrendered multiple sacks on their offensive line this season. In fact, only one sack has been charged to either tackle. That was Donovan Smith back in week two against the Falcons. So getting those guys is both tough surely through the matchup, but also by the fact that Brady is just so hard to get from those angles off the tackle because the other four sacks this Bucks team has surrendered this year and just six and four games is very, very good, obviously, are attributed to a center, a guard, a tight end, and a running back. So mugging up those backers and finding a way to get home through those games and slants and stunts and twists and creating rush lanes inside might be the best route forward here. And that's assuming that you can stump Brady with regards to getting the protection call sorted out, which is a whole nother animal in his own right. But from a talent standpoint, Ryan Jensen to me is as good as they come. I was very intrigued by his free agency a few years back. I think it was like 2017 or 2018 when he signed with the Bucks, leaving Baltimore. Such a good player. Uh, And both not just the talent, but the technical refinement that he plays with. Like I saw this clip. He does a lot of work on the offensive line masterminds with Duke Mayweather, or is it Manny, May, Manny Weather? I forget the way you pronounce his last name. Duke Mayweather, uh, the offensive line guru. He does the offensive line masterminds camp every summer, and he comes in there and talks about things that he sees and does. And there was a clip of him talking about how to accentuate to the referee like that you're being held where you spin out of this move, and then it kind of forces the defensive lineman to reach out too far over his skis and fall forward. And I saw that in the in the Bucks patriots game on Sunday. Like, it's really high-level thinking stuff. And then also his will and the way he frustrates guys with just kind of how he plays. He's kind of that kid that gets under your skin in the, on the playground type of a player. Tough, tough matchup, and he plays so hard. It would be nice to see Raekwon Davis get back to battle with him. Otherwise, I think Adam Butler's speed and get-off is a trait to look for there, too, in that potential matchup. Then the two guards, it's not a whole lot different. Finding a way to get their protection out of sorts, but not committing those extra rushers too frequently, that's kind of a balance and challenge you have there. You need to see Christian Wilkins continue to win his one-on-ones inside this week. That's big time. And then just because I feel like it's worth mentioning, I'm also super intrigued by this Ogba and Wirfs matchup. Good on good. Ogba's off to another strong start this season. And if he can get uh, Christian Wirfs, man, that would be an impressive win. Uh, on his belt so far this season. Then, real quick, just because I think he's heating up right now, Jalen Phillips versus Donovan Smith is a key matchup to watch. He needs to go out there and beat Smith consistently, in addition to getting those wins inside to force Tom Brady off the top of his drop from the blind side and create more pressure inside. Tough, tough asks, I know, but that's what's going to be asked of to be a defending world champion in their own building. Moving on to the Tampa Bay running backs versus the Miami linebackers. We mentioned the running back sack allowed. That was charged to Ronald Jones. And look, this Bucks team can go run heavy. They can go pass heavy. They can balance it. But one thing you have to keep an eye on for sure is Rojo out of the backfield. And he can exploit the one-on-one matchups he might get. And he has the speed to burn to take it a distance. I'll never forget watching him go 85 yards down the field for a touchdown at Martin Stadium. Go Cougs back when WSU took out number five ranked USC back in the day. That was a fun time. But now if there's one thing you might look at here with the Bucks splits, 
Leonard Fournette has 44 carries and Rojo has 21. It's 4.2 yards per carry for Fournette, 3.7 for Rojo. And eh, maybe this is a bit of a stretch, but maybe there's a bit of a tendency there with regards to run pass selection based upon the running back in the game. Because Fournette, he's going to challenge your ability to tackle. He has seven forced missed tackles on the season. So one about every six or so carries. And we talked about Miami needing to tackle better this week. You got to bring bodies to the party. You got to wrap up. You got to execute your fundamentals. That'll be tested this week with Fournette. And the key here in this one, because it's a lot of gap scheme runs downhill, and you better buckle up and stop it. If you don't, it's going to be a long day for you. So as far as your linebacker usage, we've talked about this unit kind of being one that fluctuates and in accordance with the defensive backfield as well, because if someone comes on, somebody has to go off. And that fluctuates to match what the opponent wants to do, right? So we know this is a primary 11 personnel team, and they, they run more with Fournette and pass more with Jones. So how will the Dolphins deploy their linebackers? That's a question I have going into this game. Just a, just a general observation or storyline there. I like to have Roberts in there on Fournette because he's the physical tone setter of the defense for me and a damn good tackler. But if they do that, they can also try to get favorable matchups in the passing game. So it's just very tough to decide how you want to play this. As always, Jerome Baker plays most of the snaps, so I'm sure he'll have his matchups and hands full for himself as well in that regard. On the other side of the football, the Dolphins offense, and particularly the quarterback versus the Tampa Bay safeties, just want to put this note in there real quick because I found it interesting. Miami leads the league with 33% of their plays coming out of 12 personnel packages, one running back, two tight ends. And I thought this was maybe more because of the quarterback switch going from Tua to Jacoby after he got injured back in week two. But with Tua, it was 37% and 31% now with Jacoby. So actually that number is brought down by Jacoby's work. I just thought it was interesting bit of info there regarding 12 personnel packages. And we'll see if they want to continue that or mix it up. But Flo did say in his Wednesday presser, that they have some depth in the receiver room with regards to Will Fuller going on injured reserve. Some breaking news there on the podcast. Not really breaking, but I wasn't going to get to it just yet. But talking about the depth in the receiver room and wanting to get the other guys some opportunities. So we're going to find out on Sunday who that means increased time for and who Jacoby is throwing to in this game. As for Jacoby, I'm going to go back to Coach on this. And he said, we've got to be better across the board and referred to two things as far as missed opportunities with guys being open and guys making cuts in reference to the passing game and the running game. And if you're going to beat this Tampa Bay team, you cannot be leaving yards on the field in that regard and in any regard, defensively, jumping off sides or, you know, return yards you don't get or muffing punts back over, like whatever the case may be, if you leave yards and opportunities in the field, you're going to have a really tough time beating them. It's like giving the New York Yankees five outs in an inning, right? Like you can't do it. And today's a bad day to talk about the Yankees. Maybe the, the Dodgers, the, the Giants are pretty good too. You get what I'm trying to say, guys. But Sam Egovon talked about it as well at his Wednesday press conference, saying that they've been beating themselves too much this season, and it has to stop here against Tampa Bay. Missing on first and 10 is going to put you behind the chains, right? Second and 10 is not a good place to be. Missing on second and six puts you in the worst spot in football, which is third and long. And that's how drives are stalling out, and the offense is averaging 25 minutes of time of possession this, year, this season so far, and the Dolphins' defense is on the field for too long as a result. And as for the Bucks' safeties to kind of finish this matchup, Antoine Winfield Jr., you got to find that guy. He floats all over the defense. He'll match up. He'll camp in zone. He'll play the high post. He'll play the robber. He's going to be around the football, and if you make mistakes with off-target throws or drops or batted passes up into the air, he'll make you pay. He did it on Sunday night against the Patriots. And alongside him has been a committee of guys. Jordan Whitehead was a guy out of Pitt that I was a fan of. He's an instinctive player with some good range back there. Just a a good football player. A good little player. 
Also has a way of finding the football in terms of playmaking skills. He's played just about over half the snaps, and so has Mike Edwards in that same boat. So they play three safeties quite significantly, but Bruce Arians did say on Wednesday that if Antoine cannot go, he'll start Whitehead and Edwards in that defensive secondary. But our next matchup is one where things get a bit ambiguous in terms of who we preview here. Or maybe there's not a lot of ambiguity as we head into our next position groups, the Miami receivers and tight ends versus the Bucks cornerbacks. And the reason I say there's maybe not the ambiguity is that Bruce Arians was forthright on Wednesday saying that he does not see either Carlton Davis nor Sean Murphy bunting a pair of very good young cornerbacks returning for a while. And that would insinuate that more than just this week. And Jamil Dean was back at practice on Wednesday and Arian said they'll see how he progresses. Sounds like he has a chance to play. And it also mentioned Antoine Winfield there as well. So at cornerback, they've got Jamil Dean if he does in fact play, former Colt and Jet Pierre Desir, Ross Cockrell, and of course Richard Sherman who was signed last week to go along with D. Delaney. The Dolphins have to get it going here. It's like last year in that San Francisco game. They were down so many cornerbacks and the passing game kind of took off. The Dolphins have to get going. They got to get those schemed up completions and the playmakers have got to make plays after that. The Bucs have 29 missed tackles this season according to Pro Football Reference. That's the ninth most in the National Football League. So hitting those quick hitters and letting the waddles of the world make things happen after the catch. Again, we talked about being second in the NFL in yak percentage in the season so far behind Rondale Moore. You need that this week. But I'm also sure that'll be a point of emphasis for the Bucs as well to tackle better because they're a well-coached team. I'm sure that'll be a focus for them in practice this week. I think you could conceivably see an approach that test the depth of that defensive back unit with all the injuries they have because not only do you bring your third fourth fifth cornerback and elevate them that means you have your practice squad guys or or, you know guys that are coming up to fill those roles in into those third fourth fifth roles from the sixth seventh and eighth position so test that depth and Flores talked about getting some of the guys opportunities and what's interesting about the Bucks is they certainly have a type at the position with Carlton Davis 6'1 205 Murphy Bunting, six foot one ninety five. Dean, six one two oh six. Those are the primary guys, and we know Sherm is a long corner at six foot three one eighty five. A little bit leaner, but definitely longer. Ross Cockrell, six foot one ninety. De- Pierre Desir, six one one ninety two. Delaney, five eleven two hundred. Like they're all in that two hundred pound range and right around six foot. And I was going through that list, thinking there's no way they have six cornerbacks who are six foot 200 pounds, but they kind of do. I thought we'd see some shorter guys and maybe go after them with Parker and Gesicki and Williams, but nope, they're all a big group. So do you challenge that size and the lack of experience of that size up against our size guys? Or do you try to play outside of those guys that play above the rim and take advantage of what I, I guess could be a perceived weakness in terms of the shiftiness and all that fun stuff? It'll be interesting to see how Miami attacks that defensive back room and how those guys play because just because their new guys are up does not mean they won't play well. Like that's a, I think that's a common misconception in the National Football League and football. Like just because guys are down does not mean that position all of a sudden is weak. It could be weaker than it could be, but they can still play well and that's what they get paid to do. So next man up for the Buccaneers in that defensive secondary. And maybe Preston Williams sees some work this week. We saw what Devontae and Mike did last week, you know, talking about playing above the rim. And as we mentioned earlier, playing, making plays after the catch, if you can consistently exploit the matchup like Like you should be able to get one that you like on a play-by-play basis because of this lineup. Now let's go see if they can go out there and execute it. It's going to be a big part of this game and a big storyline on Sunday. Now Richard Sherman played 98% of their snaps on Sunday, so he hit the ground running in terms of playing time. And Ross Cockrell's 35 snaps occurred after Davis went down in that game with Pierre Desir drawing a good number of uh, snaps in the slot. 
but they're going to show that cover three and some cover two and give you zone turn where the defensive back bails out. Like Richard Sherman has been playing off coverage and key the quarterback for his entire career, right? That's why he's so good at locating the football and being instinctive to drive and get interceptions and make big plays in games. And, you know, the Sherman tip in the big NFC championship game a few years ago, he's one of the most intelligent, heady type of cornerbacks, but he will play off and you have opportunities to hit that stuff underneath the stuff that we didn't get to last week, the five to six yard slants, the hitches, the curls, you got to hit those when they're presented in, in order to get the deep stuff opened up and keep the defense for the Miami Dolphins off the field as you sustain those drives and hit explosive plays. But for all that to work, you're going to have to win another very difficult matchup. The Dolphins offensive line versus the Bucks defensive line. And why don't we actually sync this up for our last two position groups here on the side of the ball with the running backs versus linebackers as well. And the Bucks blitz more than anybody in football. Number one, 41.1% per pro football reference. And why wouldn't you when you've got a guy like Devin White? I mean, Todd Bowles will always be aggressive regardless of his personnel, but when you've got a player of White's caliber, let's just go ahead and talk about his game real quick. He has 10 pressures this year on 40 pass rush snaps, but he'll also flip and play coverage for a good chunk. 700 coverage snaps last year. He just doesn't leave the field. He plays every down and 172 coverage snaps this year, but where he's been a bit uncharacteristic so far is with missed tackles. Pro Football Reference has him with six this season. But I have to imagine that won't be the case for very much longer because he's the kind of player who will find a way to get that corrected. It's just the kind of player that that he is. He's a tough player, athletic, can play downhill, can flip backwards into coverage. He has quickness around blockers in both the pass game and the running game. He, he's just really, really tough. And so too is a player in that same position group, plays right alongside Devin White and probably one of the most complimentary players combinations at any position group in the entire National Football League. Levante David's a Hall of Fame player in my, in my book. Like he just he doesn't just come on the rush as much as as Devin White does, but they play in tandem so well together. He's got just one missed tackle this season, eleven run stops, and he's one of the smartest players to ever do it. You have you have to ID fifty four and forty five every single play. It'll be a key for the Miami backs to a get them keyed in blitzing situations and b make them miss in the hole in the running game. Sometimes the back has to win that one on one matchup at the point in the hole, and that's what I'm looking for here. Regarding pass protection, real quick, Malcolm Brown gets a nice feather in his cap for his work last week. Fourteen pass blocking snaps, one hurry allowed. Very good work by Malcolm Brown. And if you think it gets better up front for this Bucks team as far as softening up. Nope, they're very good there too. Vita Vea, he's the second best defensive tackle in the league from where I sit. If you single block him, good luck. So strong, such incredible grip strength, quickness, balance. He can snatch and toss dudes with relative ease. He's been an absolute force this season. And even when he's not making plays, he's creating chances for those linebackers, for his teammates. He's almost 350 pounds, but he moves like a deer. I always go back to the one series he had in the Apple Cup 2018. I know we're talking about some Cougs football again here against the Huskies. He had three straight snaps where he'd walked his man into the quarterback and got a a sack out of it, a pressure, and another quarterback hit ready to throw the football away. So he can take over series and games on his own. And alongside him, you talk about David and White matching up well together. And Dominican Sue, you guys know about him strength, pure, pure upper body strength that can just toss guys aside. It allows, I think the play of Vea and Sue makes a very good combination of White and David, like even better. And Sue can still do it at a high level. He's such, he's so sound technically and he plays at that edge. Like he's still a very, very good player. And that's a big ask for the guys up front this week. You need Rob Hunt to counter that power with his own size and power. He has that, right? Let's go ahead and counter with that, Rob. You need Greg Mance to be able to anchor up against some of that pass rush. You need Jesse Davis to do the same. And most importantly, 
You have to get everything communicated because they're going to bring a lot and operate with those games and blitzes. They'll green dog Devin White half the damn time. They are a lot to prepare for. Then on the edge, I mean, those matchups don't get any easier because Shaq Barrett is near the sack leaderboard or top of the sack leaderboard over the last three years. He has 17 pressures already this season to lead Tampa Bay and he can get wide and go speed. He can convert that speed to power. He can cross face and win inside with you. And he'll just, he'll outwork you to the quarterback as well and get cleanup sacks. He is so very tough. And so too is Jason Pierre-Paul, who's one of the longest, heaviest handed dudes in all of the National Football League. And he has missed a couple of games this year. And that has opened up an opportunity for Joe Tryon Shayinka, Shayinka, Joe Tryon from UW. Nine pressures on 88 pass rush reps. He's fantastic. He's been really good so far this season. And the Miami tackles have their work cut out for them. They're going to have to all be, at, or both rather, be at their athletic best to win those matchups. But they've got depth too. Because inside William Golston, Steve McClendon, Raheem Nunez, Roches. Where does it end? It doesn't. They're so good. On special teams, to finish this thing up here, we got to get back to our roots. Last year, Miami was a top five special teams unit all year long, according to Football Outsiders DVOA metric. This year, we're in the bottom 10. And Flo was right about how you can't just pick up last year's results and translate them over to this season. But man, a lot of those guys are the ones who brought us to that ranking last season, like a Clayton Fedulum, a Mac Hollins, Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen, Jason Sanders, Blake Ferguson. So many of the same guys are there that produced. Hopefully they can get things turned around that way for the special teams. And I think I think it's there. And one way you might do it is by giving chances to the one of the most dangerous return men in all of college football a season ago. Jalen Waddell averaged 19.3 yards per punt return with two touchdowns at Alabama. And that's 38 punt returns too. So it's not a small sample size. And although the kick return is a lost art, actually Miami has just two out of 22, I believe the number is this year, but he also had a 23.8 yard kick return average with a touchdown in college. The Buccaneers special teams ranks ninth in DVOA. So tough matchups all across the board. My three keys to this game, apply pressure with the four man pass rush. Like if you've ever played Tom Brady or the Patriots of old, the Bucks of new, that's going to be in the keys every single time. Number two, efficiency in the short passing game. You have to stay on schedule. You have to limit the possessions of the Buccaneers on offense, and that is a good way to do that. Number three, make a play in the third phase. Get a turnover. Get a big return. Make all your kicks. Get some big punts that flip the field. I think it's going to be very important to win that part of the game to get a W from the Buccaneers in this one. I have the Dolphins winning if they can consistently apply pressure with three or four man rushes and consistently collapse the interior of the pocket and match up those wins with your wins off the edge. I think the Bucs win if they win the matchups between the pass catchers and the Dolphins DBs. The Dolphins have to be strong in that area to get this offense slowed down and give their own offense a chance to win the game. Some news here for you guys to end the podcast. Will Fuller will, in fact, go on injury reserve. Brian Flores announced that on the Wednesday press conference. We have an injury report for you here. Raekwon Davis was back on the practice field. He's still on the injury reserve list for now, but he was back out there working on Wednesday. Miami had Byron Jones not participate with a quadricep and Achilles injury. Devontae Parker and Adam Shaheen were limited. Xavier Howard and Brandon Jones were on the list, but were full participants on Wednesday. For the Buccaneers, Carlton Davis, Rob Gronkowski, defensive lineman Patrick O'Connor, and safety Antoine Winfield all did not practice on Wednesday. Giovanni Bernard, Jamil Dean, Jason Pierre-Paul were all limited practice participants, and Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin were on the report as full participants in that practice. We've got picks coming up for you guys on tomorrow's podcast. Let's pick the Thursday night football game here real quick. A tough week last week. I think it was 9-7. and seven. Not my best week after a couple of 12-4 and four weeks. And we're getting into the portion of the TNF schedule 
where I start to really like the matchups. Rams at Seahawks, what a big game. But primetime in that building, I've watched way too many games at CenturyLink Field, now Lumen Field, to know that I'm not picking against Seattle in that building when the sky is dark. It's a short week. I'm taking Russ and the Seahawks, and that's a hard pick because I truly believe the Rams could win every game the rest of the way, but not tonight, my friends. I'll take the Seahawks over the Rams on Thursday night football. Should be a really good one. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you enjoy the Week 5 slate as well. We're going to have a podcast tomorrow with John Kinjemi and the mailbag. Get your questions in now if you have not done so already. In the meantime, Caroline, Daddy is coming home. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ. Our YouTube channel for all the media availabilities were up on Wednesday. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.